When you first went to Latvia, you were expecting, I think, to work mainly with Russian-speaking Latvians, and that was certainly a, a, an important part of your ministry. But the church that you left behind in Riga when you came back to the UK was very different from that, wasn't it? Yeah. So we uh, began in 1996 with a Russian-speaking church, and we were there for five years. And then, in fact, I uh, pastored a mainly Latvian-speaking church. But then in 2010, we uh, met together in our flat, Ruth, myself, a Russian lady and a Latvian guy. And we talked about church planting in this area of Riga that has no other church. And, and then Ruth got invited to go and teach Latvian in a refugee centre. And so then we had a number of refugees who came in and then international students. And so what was meant to be a local congregation, Russian or Latvian congregation, turned into an international church. So as we left this year, we left a church that had people from many different countries, Russia, Ukraine, America. Some local Latvians. Some local as well. Latvians yeah. as well. And then know. students and people coming into work from a real wide variety of countries. Yeah. So other European countries and Brazil and Yes. Yeah, many and places really. China. Yeah. Yeah. China. Yeah. China. Yeah. Yes, you have multilingual elders meetings as well. I think. We do, yeah. that's right. Yeah, so uh, I was one of the elders and then we had two Chinese elders and a Russian elder and an Australian Latvian elder as well. So yes, quite, quite interesting. <laughs> now, before you returned to the UK, you were able to pass the, the leadership of the church over to a Latvian pastor who's mm. serving now alongside the other elders. And tell us how it came about that the Lord led you to this mm. Latvian pastor. Yes. So I've known Andis, Andis Miazitis. He trained at St. Helens in London, and I've known him for a number of years. And whenever I was away for a Sunday, he would often come and preach for us in the international church. And so as we were thinking about leaving Latvia, he was the person I would most like to have had take over uh, being pastor in the church. But he was church planting, a reformed church in another part of the city. So I did speak to him and initially at the beginning of the year, he said he didn't know if that was possible. We met with his church leadership and asked them to pray at the end of January. And they said, yes, we'll pray, but we don't think it's possible. But in March, we had another meeting and they actually said, Yes, we think it will be good for Andis to come and work part-time with Grace International Church and part-time with the Reformed Church as well. And, and then the provision of finances has also been a real blessing as well because we had to find 50% of Andis' salary, which um, was going to be a huge stretch for the church. But we had an American church, a contact with an American church, they came to visit. And we thought that they wanted to help with the Ukrainian refugees that we were working with. But in fact, they said, well, the Ukrainian refugees will eventually go back to Ukraine. We want to help your church. And we know that you have this man coming to be pastor. And so we want to pay half of your half of his salary. Mm -hmm. So it's been great because it means that the church only has to find a quarter of the salary and then next year half of the salary. And so it's a gradual progression in that. It's just been God's yeah. wonderful provision, Amazing. actually. Yeah. Yeah. Now, looking back over the nearly 26 years that you were in mm -hmm. Latvia, many things would have happened. But could you just maybe share a few highlights and some particular encouragements that you had during your many years there? Well, I think like for me, 
one of the highlights, and probably Malcolm would say the same thing, would be the church planting, which was something that we never thought that we could do. We didn't see ourselves as church planters. And I think that's still probably true in a way, but just to see that God actually is the one who brings the church into being, and from a very small beginning, just did incredible things for us. And it very often felt more like we were just watching God be at work than rather us doing it. So the church grew without us really advertising because we were meeting in our home, it's a flat and neighbours are quite suspicious of large groups of strangers. So we didn't advertise, but by word of mouth, we just grew and then we moved out into another building and then we thought that room would be big enough for quite a while and then it was very soon not. <laughs> and then we moved to an even bigger room and the very first Sunday we moved there, it wasn't big enough and we had to then knock a wall down. So seeing that really, it's not about numbers, I don't want to say that, but just seeing that it's really God who brings the people and in just ways that we would never have imagined. So a large number of Chinese, for example, coming to Latvia to live and then hearing the gospel for the first time, a mm. lot of them. And, then, and to see many conversions as well. So yeah. particularly amongst yeah. the Chinese and being able to baptise them, but others as well. And, and that's wonderful to see God meeting with people and changing their lives. And then to see that growing as well in terms of seeing Christians then get married and have children yeah. and new families, Christian families being started. I think that's yeah. been wonderful to see. And then I, I think maybe personally then, so that would be what we saw in the work, and then I think just pers- on a personal note, just and I made a sense really of, yeah, it was only God who kept us there. And to experience that and, and in a much deeper way to realise just we can't do anything without him. That really is true. You know, when you go to a foreign country, you know, speak the language, you don't know anything. And... Um, you're so dependent, you can't even phone the doctors. You don't know what the food is on the shelves. You, you don't, none of it. And then just, um, you really have to rely on God a lot more, mm-hmm. don't you? Mm-hmm. And with Jonathan, our son, too, growing up there and going into Latvian school and going all the way through a Latvian school, and that was a unique experience. We don't know of another family who, who, who were doing that at the time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was totally new to everybody and how good God was. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just, yeah, really, really... Uh, took us all through that yeah Mm. and yeah just an amazing sense of thankfulness really and of course we're very thankful for you know 26 years people being Mm. praying for us and supporting us and and again that's part of the work Uh, we might be the people in Latvia but Mm. there's a whole team of people here in England who've been praying for that work and God has answered those prayers Mm. yeah would you say that there's still a need for missionaries in Latvia and if someone who was thinking perhaps God was calling them into missionary service whether in Latvia or or somewhere else is there any advice that you could give to them what would you like to say to them right well I say yes to the first question yes there's still a need for missionaries to go to Latvia and go would be the same (laughs) what to do but let me expand on that so yes there is still a need for missionaries to go and particularly Actually, I would say older Christians. So mm-hmm. Latvia missed out. There was a, a whole generation that was missed during the Soviet years. In churches. In churches, yeah. yes. Yeah. And so you have grandparents who were Christians. Many of those have passed on now. And then in 1991, Latvia got its independence. And there was a real work of God's spirit in the churches. Many young people converted. But they didn't have the examples of older Christians. And I think that's still the case. Mm-hmm. So older Christians who have some life experience, 
coming to Latvia and being able to share their faith will be very important in shaping that country and the faith of those younger Christians as well. And that if anyone feels God calling to go, then listen to that. I I think, you know, for us, um, it was very important to have the blessing of our home churches. So we spoke with our churches and they sent us to Bible college and then blessed us by sending us and praying for us and supporting us financially. And that's very important as well, to have that fellowship of the church in that calling. Yeah, I think I just would say probably the same things. I think it's very true about older Christians. In our church in in Riga that we've just left, we were the oldest by far in the congregation. And we're not hugely old. Definitely the longest married, with, you know, having brought up our son through, you know. And so... People really often just wanted to ask her your advice, your opinion. They had questions about Christian life, you know, that you remember when you were 20, 30, you know, those things. And then you could share with them, you know, the wisdom that God has graciously given you over the years and um, was really appreciated and actually so valued. And yeah, there's just uh, a big, like Malcolm says, that wasn't just our church, there are many churches where there's fewer older people. Well, the older people who are there have also been converted later in life Hmm. as well, so they don't have that whole wealth of Christian experience and knowledge, and not just that we have, but we have had role models in our lives, Hmm. our own parents and other members in churches that we've been in who've been fruitful Christians into their 80s and beyond. So to be able to communicate that to to Christians in Latvia is, is a real, real blessing. But you don't have to be. You don't have to be old to go as a missionary. You know, you can be any age. <laughs> and, and it's good to learn also from the church over there as well. We have a lot to learn from other Christians from different parts of the world as well. And I think that's a real blessing yeah. for us. Yeah. And I would sort of say, you know, if you, if you do go, then just be really open-minded to whatever God might have for you to do. Because I, I, I really have seen in us and if you just go and you're ready to to serve you won't lack opportunities there will always be ways to to serve won't there i think that's one of the things that so just encourage people yeah maybe if you don't even think that maybe your gifts are what are traditional or or central normal sort of preaching or teaching gifts if you're a christian and you know the gospel and you have the holy spirit you, you can be a blessing, you know, wherever God sends you. You're back here in the UK now, and I understand that you're exploring maybe some opportunities for international ministry in the UK. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you can, you can say about that for us? Yes, I, I think our hearts are with internationals, with people from other countries. We see that actually there are tremendous opportunities in the UK at this time, as God brings people from many different countries to the UK, we have an opportunity to share the gospel with them without going to another country, without learning another language, Mm. without almost any pain at all. But they want to learn English, they want to know about this country. And so the opportunity to love them and to share the Lord Jesus Christ with them abounds in this country. And that's really where our hearts are. We'd love to be involved in that kind of work here in the UK. And even in these weeks that you've been living in the Cotswolds, you, 
you've had opportunity to use your Russian in the Cotswolds. Yes, in the middle of the Cotswolds. We never expected this, but we uh, are attending a church and they run a Ukrainian hub or Mm. cafe. And so we've been able to use our Russian there and also been able to, not just with translation, but also take some of those Ukrainians to various places and so on and to mm. befriend them and to get to know them. And it's really been a real blessing actually to firsthand hear about what is going on in Ukraine and the terrible war, of course, but also to identify with those people from the country there. Yeah, it really has. And I think that obviously we knew quite a few Ukrainians in Riga. There's a, a large Ukrainian community there and we had Ukrainians in our church there mm. and we began a cafe there as well for Ukrainian refugees. And so to move to the UK and then find a very similar thing happening in the countryside of the Cotswolds, yeah, it's very, very surreal. But um, it's been great for us because we can really help them with the Russian language that we have because there wasn't any other local people around there speaking Russian. So they've been really happy to have us there and we've been really happy to be there. So yeah, it's really, Mm. really a lovely, just where God has worked it out in his providence. Yeah, amazing. Thank you very much.